Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Scaling back your business was hard. Getting back may be harder. Penske can help get your business up to speed with confidence. While some supply chains have ground to a halt and others have struggled with heavy demands on speed and volume, Penske was working, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned, and every shipment delivered, giving them unique insight into the most challenging demands. See how Penske's practical innovation, custom logistics, leasing and rental fleets, and frontline experience can help at GoPenske.com. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to explore the industry's move toward greater visibility in the supply chain. The ability to accurately track shipments, trucks, and key metrics such as estimated arrival times is becoming an expectation in our industry. This trend has been building for years, but it's really coming into focus right now in light of the COVID-19 pandemic and the supply chain disruptions caused by this public health crisis. So how can more freight visibility help shippers, carriers, and logistics providers better react to events like this that dramatically alter freight patterns? We'll set out to answer that question in this episode. It goes without saying that the COVID-19 outbreak has posed enormous challenges for logistics planning and inventory management. We've seen demand spike for certain consumer goods, driven in part by panic buying, while many other freight categories have dropped off dramatically as people have been social distancing to slow the spread of the virus. To manage this volatility, transportation companies need to know as much as possible about the status of shipments and the potential for delays. Also during this episode, we're going to explore another aspect of visibility in the transportation industry, the availability of equipment. Later in the program, we'll play an interview from TMC's annual meeting in February with Francis Roy, Vice President of VHub, a digital trailer sharing platform. But first, I'm excited to bring in Glenn Kepke, Vice President of Network Enablement at Forkites, a supplier of freight visibility technology. Thanks for joining us, Glenn. Thank you for having me. So freight visibility is really becoming a requirement rather than a luxury in the transportation industry. And that really seems truer than ever during this ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. You know, shippers and trucking and logistics companies really need to have a good handle on their shipments to stay on top of the really the volatile freight demand and uh, supply chain disruptions that we've seen. And uh, given what we're seeing now, what types of information are really the most important for shippers and transportation companies uh, to really see as they respond to disruptive events like this? So there's a few different types of information that we're seeing that are critical for supply chain operators and those in the ecosystem uh, right now during the crisis. And, you know, I would say that these are, are common, uh, even, you know, pre-crisis or post-crisis, but uh, the magnitude of which these are being highlighted uh, has, you know, re reached the CSCO level. So chief supply chain officer 
level. And first is, you know, really factual information, right? It sounds silly, but I think in the, in the world of supply chain, uh, there's oftentimes information that's either latent or not correct. And so, you know, first is what's critical is factual information. So knowing where your goods are, uh, knowing where the truck is, knowing what's critical is really important to thrive during a pandemic when resources are stretched thin, uh, volumes through the roof, and priorities are changing every single day. So that factual information really uh, sets companies apart to take quick decision and get to resolution right away. Uh, second is timely information, right? So that's one thing if you know the, the true fact, but it's another if it, it takes you a day to get there or five hours to get there. So having timely information is, is really critical. So with platforms like Forkites, uh, what we're able to provide is real-time information in the moment where ultimately the supplier, the receiver, and the transport company have a common truth to be able to act on uh, from there. And then third, I would say is transparent information, right? So uh, there are many platforms that are out there where uh, the information is used for a singular party. And what we see is transparent information allows multiple parties to operate on a single transaction. And that will get speed to value and speed to decision-making very quickly. So when you look at the pandemic uh, where order volumes have spiked, knowing which POs are critical uh, for that retailer and what the supplier capacity is to ship that and the carrier's availability to deliver on time is really important. And that way those goods can be tracked all the way from origin to destination and ultimately to the shelf so the consumer can get the product that they need. One of the things that we've seen from companies in our customer base compared to compared to the market is the uh, those that have, have implemented visibility software are clearly leaders in decision-making and responding to this crisis. And those that have not implemented visibility software have definitely struggled uh, to get resources to operate effectively, right? The legacy ways of phone calls, uh, emails, spreadsheets is a serious crunch on the business when you're in a crisis. Uh, certainly. And, you know, this is all key information uh, during an event like this when it is most certainly not business as usual. Uh, but you know, maybe, Glenn, you can take us through some of the, the common uh, you know, supply chain challenges that your customers have been experiencing at this time. Uh, what are some examples of uh, you know, the types of difficulties and disruption that they've encountered during uh, this, this crisis? Yeah, so there's really four main kind of challenges we've seen, uh, not just with our customers, but in the overall supply chain community, right? So these are companies that we have talked to as, as prospects or just ones that are looking for for thought leadership. And, and those four main areas are volume. Uh, second is just operational teams being stretched thin. Uh, third is just what's the priority and which projects uh, take precedent. And then lastly is just managing through uh, disruptions and delays. So I'll give a little bit more you know, color commentary on, on each of those four. So from a volume perspective, it is clearly reliant on what industry you're in, right? So those that have been in food and bev, in consumer products, uh, in fast moving consumer goods and retail uh, have really thrived during this crisis. Uh, if you're in industrial manufacturing or you're a uh, OEM type auto manufacturer, those industries have really been impacted uh, significantly, which is quite unfortunate, right? They're, they help move the global supply chain. So uh, volume both up and down, right, causes kinks in the supply chain. So volume up, all of a sudden my warehouse, uh, which used to ship 100 orders per day, now ships 200. 
right? So it puts pressure on my workforce. It puts pressure on my dock check-in, uh, my dock availability, my turn time, uh, all those types of factors. Uh, if your volumes reduce significantly, you know, what do I do with my workforce, right? How do I keep the lights on in my business? Uh, what if I'm not sourcing product from China anymore? How do I keep my business moving from a, a local source uh, supplier? So that volume uncertainty has really caused significant challenges across the board. And those that at least have transparency to where their volume is, what's important, are at least able to make very quick, agile decisions uh, in a time of uncertainty. Uh, second is teams being stretched thin, right? So you look at uh, workforces for legacy companies that historically have been in uh, offices, right? So in four walls, they've got cubicle farms and, and the like, and we're used to everyone being in one place. And all of a sudden, within a matter of you know, four weeks time, every company has more or less had to move to a work remote uh, type policy. And so with team being stretched thin, uh, if you are operating off spreadsheets and emails and phone calls, it is really hard when you decentralize your team very quickly, right? So those that have had a common platform uh, have really shined in, in this light. So some of the feedback we've received from our customer base is, hey, you know, this is awesome. The fact that we've had one common platform, we have one process. If, you know, moving from a uh, central office to work from home, there was zero impact on our team. We appreciate your business. Uh, we've also seen a number of customers accelerate their implementation uh, to get to that place, right? So those that were in the middle of our implementation cycle have accelerated to get to a point where their resources can leverage a common platform. Third is, you know, projects and initiatives are put on hold, right? So one of the things we're seeing is you had that initial crunch uh, from COVID-19 and how companies responded, you know, now what we're seeing is, you know, maybe the extended companies are looking at furloughs, uh, workforce reduction, project initiative changes. And so these stall out uh, transformation in supply chain and logistics, right? And so one of the things that we've seen as a common theme across our customer base and prospects is how do we actually accelerate uh, our deployment of forkites or how do we make sure that we continue our compliance routines with our solution. So, you know, the one thing that has shined a light on is visibility is crucial, uh, whether it's, you know, pre-crisis, during a crisis or after, but visibility is table stakes now uh, for the industry. And then lastly, you know, the fourth challenge that has really uh, hindered the supply chain is just overall delays uh, at, you know, loading locations, unloading, uh, cross-border and ports. So one of the things that we've done, you know, with our focus on broader community and the connected supply chain is we've launched a live border crossing and port congestion tracking site. Uh, so for the listeners uh, that are listening to the podcast, if you go to live.forkites.com, you'll be able to see in real time uh, what the information is at specific ports and cross-border locations around the world. You know, as you mentioned, Forkites has been tracking some uh, interesting data on some of these supply chain delays uh, caused by the outbreak. Uh, what are some of the key findings, uh, generally speaking, that you've seen? So back to my you know, industry kind of point and vertical. So food and Bev and CPG and retail has been, you know, the volume has been through the roof, right? So what we saw is volume increased anywhere from 20% to 50% uh, from uh, February through the early April. Um, so volumes have come down a bit, but when you had this mass panic buying at the stores, you know, we, we saw everything in the news about toilet paper, right? But at the same time, people aren't just buying toilet paper. They're also buying soup. They're buying dairy products uh, and other consumer goods. And so volume went through the roof, right? So safety stock uh, was depleted. And all of a sudden, you know, we had to quickly manufacture and ship new product out. So 
the the significant volume impact caused a lot of dwell time uh, in those uh, specific verticals. So we saw dwell time increase about 24% from February to March. And the reason being is that all of a sudden, you know, if I, have, if I ship 100 loads per day and now I have to ship 200, that has a massive impact on my, my workforce at my warehouse trying to load twice as many trucks in, you know, the same 24 hours uh, per day. Second is we saw quite a few turnaways. So the driver would arrive uh, at the destination and then they would be asked to leave and then come back. So we saw about a 30, 35% increase uh, month over month from February to March with drivers being turned away. And the reason why we know that information is we're able to see uh, when the truck enters a geofence for a location, when it exits, and when it returns, right? So it's one of the in- interesting insights uh, we're able to provide the market is that drivers, they want to make one stop and get unloaded, right? Obviously, in a crunch, uh, they understand that you know these retailers and their DCs are trying to unload as quickly as possible. But what's happening is they're showing up at the destination, right? They've, they've met their hours of service requirements. They delivered on time. But unfortunately, they're being turned away. And so that does have an impact on driver satisfaction and management. So something that the, the market does need, need to consider during this time. We've also seen uh, a number of transit time increases, right? So this is an interesting phenomenon where when you look at the highway system and the motorway system within U.S. and Europe is that there's less cars on the road, right? So overall accidents are down, but also our transit time is faster. So one of the things we see within our machine learning algorithms as we predict ETA is that we've seen about an overall 2% inc- uh, decrease excuse me, in drive time. So that means trucks are getting to their destination faster, because of the less traffic on the road. So, you know, one of the, the bright spots of this crisis is, you know, safety is improved and, and time to get to destination has also improved significantly. I also want to ask about this uh, from a geographical perspective, you know, what cities and regions of the country have really seen the most uh, delays and, and disruptions? Yeah, so in general, I mean, the, the major markets, right? So from a data perspective, uh, what we've seen is that New York City, uh, San Francisco, New Orleans, and Detroit were the ones that had the, the biggest hit in terms of volume, and that volume correlated to, to dwell time. Obviously, major metropolitan areas like Chicago and LA and others are going to see volume increases, but the four that we saw uh, the most significant increase were uh, New York City, San Francisco, New Orleans, and, and Detroit. And so with New York, obviously the, you know, the centerpiece of a lot of the COVID discussion in the media, right? So uh, majorly dense population, a lot of high-rises, a lot of panic buying going on, and they have more of a you know bodega style markets, less the the superstores like you get in uh, rural parts or uh, you know normal metropolitan areas of of the U.S. And so, from a, a New York standpoint, uh, the metro area we saw about a sixty eight percent increase in delays uh, at their facilities uh, in March relative to uh, comparing January and February, and that was just simply. You know, you look at from a consumer standpoint, you know, most people buy in small quantities based on their average size of their home or their apartment. And all of a sudden, we don't know how far we're going to be on lockdown and, you know, panic buying ensues. And so the average consumer may buy, you know, a small amount of items. But in reality, during this crisis, they're buying a lot. And so we saw that with the suppliers going into the retail operations, that dwell time increase significantly. Scaling back your business was hard. Getting back may be harder. 
Penske can help get your business up to speed with confidence. While some supply chains have ground to a halt and others have struggled with heavy demands on speed and volume, Penske was working, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned, and every shipment delivered, giving them unique insight into the most challenging demands. See how Penske's practical innovation, custom logistics, leasing and rental fleets, and frontline experience can help at GoPenske.com. You know, I think we're now at a point where we can at least begin to think about what the transportation industry uh, might learn or, or change as a result of this crisis. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that, Glenn? You know, what types of changes and in, in, you know, kind of takeaways and learnings on on crisis management can we start to, to put together? Yeah, so I think, you know, for supply chain operators at heart, one of the things I always say is that, you know, anytime we're in like a team building game, uh, typically those that are in supply chain rise to the top, right? So for better or for worse, uh, we are conditioned to be extremely agile, right? Oftentimes, you know, although we have a focus on fluidity and continuous improvement and perfection, uh, a lot of supply chain uh, professionals are really focused on problem solving, right? So when you look at uh, the supply chain community and the talent that's in it, we're, we're phenomenal problem solvers. Uh, however, you know, there's really three areas that are clear learnings uh, when you ask me from this uh, crisis and, you know, how do we apply that going forward? And first is that mobile workforces can work, right? So when you look at businesses that are thousands of people that all of a sudden had to shift from a office type setting to working remotely uh, in a matter of days and weeks, the fact of the matter is it's working, right? So supply chains are still running, uh, grocery stores and uh, convenience stores still have product on the shelves and things are still working. Right. So this uh, initial focus that supply chains are broken, the food supply chain isn't going to is going to run out of food just isn't true. Right. We're, we're not seeing that at all. So first and foremost is that our mobile workforce can be extremely effective uh, in a remote type of session. Second is to be remote, though, you really need standard operating platforms. So the need for visibility in collaboration software like Forkites is you know, more evident now for companies that didn't necessarily have this is a key priority for, for the next 12 months. So we've seen a, a huge uptick in demand uh, for our services because of this and making sure that their workforce can keep their supply chain running is really important. And then lastly is collaboration, right? So when you look at the market, there's a lot of uh, software packages that can tell you what's going on right now for a given company. What we see as differentiation and where the future is going to involve is how do I drive toward collaboration in a common platform between the manufacturer, the retailer, and the logistics provider, and maybe even the warehouse operator? And so, you know, coming out of that, companies that were on the fence before about how much do I divulge to my customer are now realizing that if I can give visibility to my customer of where my truck is in real time, it actually will reduce the amount of calls my customer is asking where my truck is, right? And it really sets both companies up to be focused on growth not on tactical operational issues like where's my truck, why is it late, when will it be at my location. So, you know, all in all, I think we will learn from this as a community. Uh, we will definitely apply learnings. And those are the three areas I see us taking the market taking a focus uh, coming out of this. Okay. And do you see any changes in inventory management uh, in the future? I mean, of course, there's been this broad move toward, you know, kind of lean, uh, just in time inventory management. 
Uh, and at least for certain product uh, categories, uh, as a result of this, I wonder if we're going to uh, start to approach that differently. What are your initial thoughts on uh, changes on that front? I think it'll be counter to what we've always focused on, where you know we've always talked about lean inventory or balanced inventory, maybe is a better way to put it. Uh, just in time, right, which is big in automotive and tier one suppliers. Uh, I do think we're going to see a, a course correction a bit where uh, if all of a sudden, you know, 20 days of supply on hand for product X was considered okay, uh, we may actually see targets increase, right? So if it's a critical product, uh, like we see with mass or PPP, we, we may need to increase the amount of supply we have on hand, or we work with government agencies to make sure that they have uh, supply. So I think this has been a corrective learning that you know, we've tried to be focused on lean so much that in cases actually where you had excess inventory, those companies actually thrived pretty well during this crisis. So you know, I think the short answer is uh, it will force companies to take a serious look at their inventory and rationalize skew to skew and not just make a blanket overall statement that we need to increase days of supply by X percent, right? We need to look at category by category and make sure that we're still running our business, right? The cost of inventory is significant for any company and so you can't make those trade-offs lightly without understanding the revenue and business equation. And I also want to ask you, Glenn, about the future of freight visibility and shipment tracking. You know, we've been talking about this, but, you know, where is it going? You know, are there, are there gaps in visibility that still exist? Are we going to head toward, I guess, more, uh, you know, I guess, deeper analytics, uh, more detail? Uh, what do you see as the future of, uh, you know, this aspect of, of transportation technology? Yeah, so there is, you know, there are gaps today, right? So there's no one single provider that has all uh, providers connected in the global marketplace. So one of the shifts we see is a lot of companies advertising uh, networking platforms, uh, collaborative platforms. I think the reality is, is that no one player will have every party connected in the ecosystem, right? So for companies that are looking to buy software, you know, making sure you understand uh, what your challenge at hand is, uh, what issues are you trying to address, and then what's your long-term strategy. And then as you vet out providers, make sure that you have your long-term plans uh, taken into account. I think from a, where does the market go? What's next? Uh, I really believe end-to-end visibility is most important. So if you have uh, a freight spend of, let's say, $50 million, uh, but half of your freight is controlled by your suppliers, there's still half your business that you may not have visibility to. And getting one single source of truth for all of the freight that's coming in from your suppliers, all of the freight that, that's intercompany into your network, and then all of the freight that's going out to your customers, regardless of mode or region, is really important. So when you talk about that holy grail in supply chain, it's that end-to-end visibility. Now, where companies fall on the maturity curve and where the you know, uh, focus is, it, it does vary. But if you can give, you know, true visibility end to end, it would be a game changer uh, for companies in the business. And so when you look at Forkites, uh, our focus is really around that connected supply chain, uh, making sure that we're augmenting execution systems with real time information. So we recently made an acquisition uh, in the yard management space. And we really believe that, you know, that dynamic yard and our ability to connect the inventory that's at rest at a location with what's in motion will really set apart companies to connect it to their their production planning data. And that ultimately will allow for you know, more cost-effective and higher ROI within the supply chain category and not just focused on logistics, right? So when you look at a logistics visibility solution like Forkites, the value isn't just where's my truck, it's how do I make more effective planning decisions uh, within my inventory, 
uh, both raw material and finished good? How do I cut transit days out of my, my lead time, right? So if I can cut one day out, what's that overall value to me and to my customer by improving that, that focus? And then lastly is collaboration, right? So how do I uh, you know, ensure that there's collaboration in one platform versus multiple? And how do I get rid of email and phone calls as best as possible by giving one source of the truth? And then before I let you go, Glenn, I, I do want to ask a question that I always like to, to end on. Uh, I just ask you to look ahead 10 years. You know, how do you think the transportation industry will be different from uh, where we are today? So I would say first is, you know, driver safety is going to continue to improve and, you know, passenger safety. Uh, when you look at trucks, right, it's an 80,000 pound uh, rocket going down the highway and uh, driver safety and passenger safety is, is really critical uh, to sustain and improve. And so, you know, the continued automation in vehicles uh, for drivers will continue to advance over the next 10 years. I, I do think, you know, in terms of autonomous vehicles, that will continue to be an option, but it's going to take time for the market to evolve uh, to be able to get to fully autonomous. But, you know, it, in, in lieu of that, uh, we are seeing improved safety uh, for drivers and, and passengers on the road. I do think we're going to see a significant uptick in IoT devices, right? So there are a lot of IoT device players that are out there. Uh, as the, the cost per unit decreases, it allows for true real-time pings anywhere in the world, right? So if it's at a pallet level, uh, at a rack level, inside your warehouse, inside the truck, these IoT devices in this connected supply chain will really become prevalent. I think from a consumer standpoint, one of the big question marks coming out of uh, this crisis and in, in talking to a number of associations in the retail segment is what happens with foot traffic, right? So if all of a sudden, if there's a massive shift in consumer behavior from walking into a grocery store or walking into, you know, a, a, a super center to now online or curbside pickup, what happens? And so I do think what we'll see out of this, at least for the next few years, is likely a mode shift, right? We, we talk a lot about in the U.S. truckload space is a driver shortage, what we may see is that the truckload volume decreases and actually shifts into more LTL type distribution, right? And so one of the things that's out there we may see in the next 10 years is what happens to the overall modal mix of volume in the United States and Europe as well based on consumer behaviors. So those are some, some factors that we'll, I think, continue to see over the next 10 years. Uh, we are going to see, I think, a dip in, in technology investment, right? So if you look at a lot of the analysts now, you know, whether... Uh, we're going to be in a recession or depression. It's, it's hard to say. And how companies invest in future products is likely going to change for the next couple of years, right? And so we need to make sure that when you look at supply chain operators, uh, that you do have very targeted uh, proof points and solution providers that can bring long-term value, not ones that are just here to market something and, and quickly walk away. So it'll help providers that have stable customer bases and proven technology. I think from a a quick startup case where people may have over-marketed will likely see a lot of those players uh, dissolve here in the next 12 months or so as they run out of cash. Well, certainly a lot to watch and a lot to think about as we as we look ahead to the industry's future. And I do think that's a, a good place to, to leave it. But thanks again, Glenn, for coming on and sharing your insights. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you and stay safe and wish everyone the best. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. 
And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. We're here in Atlanta at TMC's 2020 annual meeting, and I'm pleased to welcome Francis Roy, Vice President at VHub, a digital trailer sharing community. Thanks for joining us, Francis. Thank you very much, Seth. Thanks for having us. And I'd like to start by talking about trailer utilization. You know, trailers, of course, spend most of their time sitting idle, depreciating and not making any money. Uh, it's just kind of the natural course of how trailers are used in our industry that they spend more time parked than on the road. Uh, so any way that you can find to get more use out of your existing trailers is a big opportunity for fleets to improve efficiency and increase revenue. So let me ask you, just how much opportunity do you see out there to improve trailer utilization in the trucking industry? Well, I guess uh, the starting point here is just the current situation of trailer utilization draws a pretty clear picture of that. Uh, first of all, there's 25 up to 25% of the miles that our, our transport companies and, and carriers are driving on our road right now that are with completely empty trailers, we're thinking that up to 36% of the moving trailers that are not empty still have a lot of cargo space available in them. Um, so that's number one. Number two, there's a ratio of three to one for power unit rate trailers to power unit, right? So there's one moving and two, two that are just sitting around. Um, so there is a huge opportunity. And if you look at, um, at repositioning of trailers, there's a lot of people that are moving those assets without creating any value. And in today's day and age, every time a truck hit the road, uh, there's a big risk component. If a truck doesn't generate value, then it shouldn't be moving. Uh, and, and this is what we, uh, that's what we want, we want to help the industry um, address or, or, or deal better with, be better at dealing with. And VHub does have a very interesting uh, solution to this problem. So you've introduced this uh, collaborative trailer sharing marketplace where trucking companies can offer their trailers for short-term rental when they aren't using them. Uh, but of course, you can explain how it works better than me. So just tell us how, how VHub works and, and what it is. So VHub is a very simple and easy solution that makes trailer sharing among the, the transportation community safe and easy. So uh, owner would go on our website, create an account, load their trailers, and whenever they need to have one of their unit repositioned, they just create that repositioning for the trailer on VHub, and then the rest of the community has visibility to that. So it's just as simple as that. Uh, on, on, on the um, mobile app standpoint, because our experience is twofold, a web, app, a web application and also a mobile application. And on the mobile application side of things, then the drivers are, are, are guided through a thorough inspection when they're activating the units, when they're picking up the units, and they're also going through a thorough inspection when they're bringing the trailers back. And the most important component of the, the, the how it works in the community is that everybody rates each other. So what, what, I, what we wanted to avoid, Seth, is if I abuse your equipment, uh, we, didn't want, we didn't want Francis to abuse other people's equipment, right? So as I'm using your trailer, when I bring it back, you're going to give me a rating, and that rating is going to be visible for everybody in, in the community. So next time I'm stuck in L.A. and I need a one-way trailer, if I have a bad rating, well, it might get a little more complicated for me to find a trailer. So this is big lines of high-level how it works. 
And you know, Francis, tell us a little bit more about you know the benefits for both the trailer owner and the renter. You know, how is this better than just going out there and simply renting a trailer from a, an equipment renting uh, provider? You know, why is this better? Well, it's all at the experience level, right? When you're booking a room today in the city because you're traveling, you're going through to a booking site and you see all of your options. So when you think about how you go about renting a piece of equipment in the trucking industry these days, it's mind-boggling that. There's no hub. There's no one place where you can see every availabilities and, and choose the best one for you. So it's at the experience level. That's what VHub wants to bring as value to the industry when they're looking to rent a trailer. But it, we're not working against the traditional trailer rental. We're, we're, we're trying to be that hub of information. So we want them to be a part of the community. We're really speaking to trailer rental, private fleet, for hire carriers, and even trailer OEMs. We just want to build build that big collaborative space so the experience is a little better or easier uh, and that's the big difference but uh, in any mean do we want to be a competitor of the rental companies we want to be a part we want them to be a part of our community is visibility and just you know finding the best options that are available given all the trailers that are sitting around and, and can can be put to better use oh absolutely I mean there's no uh, there's no way for somebody looking for a, a rental trailer today to see that there is one across the street available. And, and that's just not acceptable if we want to create that level of u utilization and maximize our operations. The transportation industry should have visibility to that. Sure. And now you announced here at TMC that VHub is entering the U.S. trucking market. Uh, but you've been active in Canada and the Montreal area since April of 2019. So just tell us about your experience uh, thus far in Canada and uh, what you expect to see as you bring the service into the U.S. Well, it, we, like you said, we launched it. Uh, we launched uh, VIAB on April 11 at the Montreal Expo Cam show um, last spring. So we're not yet uh, one year old, if you want to. Right. Uh, but, but that being said, so far we've got about 100 users, 100 companies registered on VIAB. We have 4,000 trailers that have been loaded up by, by trailer owners. Uh, and, and we've managed uh, just a little over 20,000 rental days so far. For, we're, we're very, very happy as a startup to see uh, the momentum we're building up in Canada. And, and we just thought that it's a no-brainer to cross the border and come and see you guys. Plus, it's given us an opportunity to run away for the snow, from the snow for, <laughs> for a little while. So. Well, that's always a good thing. Have you gotten any early interest from U.S. transportation companies at this show thus far? Yeah, um, it's it's been a very good show for VIAB, a very good first day in our live in the USA. Uh, we're pleased to announce that CNS Wholesale Grocers, one of the country's, the country's largest uh, wholesale distribution uh, company, just agreed to work with us on a pilot program up in uh, New England. Uh, so we're getting a lot of traction. We're getting a lot of visibility, a lot of good questions. But also, the cool thing is it's really happening. And, and that's what we're so excited about. Okay, great. Now, I also want to talk to you about the origin for this idea. Now, VHub is a business unit of Finlock 2000. Uh, this is an equipment leasing uh, or equipment financing company, I should say. Uh, you know, why did you see the need for uh, trailer sharing and, and repositioning and some sort of community or platform to pull that together? How did it all come about? Well, you know, as an asset-based lender at Finlock, we're getting two types of phone calls in our, our daily operations. So the first one is a customer calling us because they want more money to buy more trailers. And then the following phone call is a customer calling us for a break because business is not so good anymore and, and they want to skip a payment. So then we're, we're like front row seating to, to witness all of that happening. And, and then we were like, okay, there's these people need to find a way to communicate to each other and and work together, um, and and that's how the idea came about uh, to to put a platform that would enable that 
collaboration for the for the trucking business. Now, the other thing that we have to say, it's Finlock being an asset-based lender, like I said, we're, we're big on analyzing risk and because and, we're lending money, right? So we're, we're also bringing that experience or our experience into the VUB experience because every account, when you're opening up an account, our risk team will approve, review and approve the account the same way we would review uh, on a loan or a lease. So not only do we have the technology that makes the collaboration work, but we're also bringing expertise that makes it safe for the people on the platform. Sure. And then uh, you alluded to uh, kind of the need for, you know, trailer owners to uh, do a good job of maintaining the trailers. And of course, renters need to, to run the trailers without damaging them. So there's definitely this, this trust factor involved. And you talked about that rating system to, to help make that work and, and establish that trust. Uh, tell us just a little bit more about how that works uh, on both sides of the equation. Well, it's very simple. And when a driver picks up a unit and activates a unit on VHUB, the driver is asked or prompted to give a rating to the state in which he found the unit. So that's the first first point of, of, of data gathering. and then. At the end of the process, when the driver returns the unit, he's also going to rate his experience with that unit. So that com that combining the two together, that gives the owner's rating. Now, once um, once uh, a reservation is closed out and the trailer is back, the owner is also asked by the platform to rate that renter. So we're just grabbing the information in a very very simple and easy process, and then we're we're just doing simple mathematics to come up with total ratings. Sure, and then just a, a final question to leave you on. You know, how much more can the use of technology improve asset utilization in the trucking industry? You know, just how much more you know, can our industry improve how we're making use of the equipment that's already on the road? And you know, how do you see this evolving in the years ahead? Well, I see there's going to be a lot of changes coming. Uh, we, we hear more and more about um, the smart trailer being able to know how much volume, how much weight is available in every unit, where the units are going. So I, I think the, the schema thing is going to change a lot. The minute we're going to know that a trailer is leaving Atlanta, going to New York City, and there's, there's room for two skids and, and, and 2,000 pounds, and that can be communicated to the industry or to the community, I think there is going to be a lot of improvement uh, happening from there, uh, and which is going to benefit everybody. I mean, we, we got to keep in mind that when a truck moves, it's using a driver, it's, it's a risk of accident, it's creating CO2 emissions, uh, and we got to make sure that every time a truck moves, it's, gener it's generating as much value as possible for everybody. Sure. So, Now we'll be uh, watching as the industry continues to get smarter and find ways to, to use this equipment uh, uh, better and more efficiently as, as technology continues to expand. Uh, but, you know, this is a pretty good stopping point, so I think we'll wrap it up here. You know, thanks again, Francis, for sharing your insights. Thank you very much, Ed. Thanks for having us. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. How can more supply chain visibility help shippers, carriers, and logistics companies better respond to major disruptions and freight patterns? It's clear that information is one of the most powerful tools available to trucking and logistics providers during times of crisis like this. Knowing in advance which facilities are experiencing delays and having constant visibility into the location and status of freight can make all the difference in navigating this uncertainty. 
Meanwhile, better utilization of trucking equipment can improve efficiency at a time when many trucking companies are facing financial hardship. In the years ahead, fleets, shippers, and 3PLs will continue capturing more precise information about the movement of freight and equipment. Over time, supply chain visibility will be more than a useful management tool. It'll be a requirement to compete in many segments of the transportation industry. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.